Let's go ahead. Let's get into our message today. I'm going to be cutting and pasting every now and then. So for those of you who are following me, I may have to change things up just because we're running a little bit late today. We are at week three in a three-week series entitled God's Limitless. God's Limitless, and it's God's Limitless Power today. The message is God's Limitless Power. So let me ask you a question. How great is your God? I mean it. Come on. How great is your God? You see, David tells us, David tells us in, in uh, Psalm 145.3, he says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. David is telling each and every one of us is that no one can fathom the greatness of our God. No one, he says. There's no one that is able to do that because there is a limit to what our finite mind can comprehend about our infinite God. So, week one of our series, this has been a three-week series, week number one was we talked about our, our omnipresent God, our omnipresent God. In other words, God is everywhere. I'm not going to go into great details at all, but I'm just going to tell you God is everywhere. And that means that God can literally hear your, your prayers in Baldensville, New York, and at the very same time, God also hears the prayers of a prisoner uh, who is in Angola prison in Louisiana. And I just threw that out there. I mean, God hears all of our prayers all over the world at the same time. He is our omnipresent God. Week number two, we talked about our, um, uh, our omniscient, um, omniscient, holy cow, I can't even say it. Omniscient God is who we talked about last week. And that is God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. In other words, in other words, no mystery uh, has ever confounded our God before. God has never stood there and scratched his head and said, you know what, I never thought of that before. I didn't even know about that before. That has never happened. God never has done that. Our amazing, all-knowing God literally, literally knows everything. He knows everything. Today is week three. And week three, we're going to be talking about the omnipotence of our God, our omnipotent God. In other words, that means God is all-powerful. Would you say that with me? God is all-powerful. So we have an, an omnipotent God, and he has the ability and the power to do anything. He can do anything, and this power is exercised effortlessly with God. Uh, God's power is unlimited, so God is able to help you no matter how difficult of a situation you're facing today, how challenging things may be in your life, the issues that you may be dealing with. God is able to get you through. I, I read to you uh, Revelation chapter, nine, uh, chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. This is wonderful. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you, his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters and as a sound of mighty, as, excuse me, at the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Give me an amen. We find in Jeremiah 32, 17, and it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms, and there is nothing, there is nothing too difficult for you. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He says, but Jesus looked at them and he said to them, with man this is impossible, but with, say it with me, with God all things are possible. All things are possible. I'm very excited about the word that the Lord has given me as the conclusion of this series today, the final message. 
And I want to share with you, I got some inspiration from Robert Moore, so I'm, you're going to hear me quote a couple of things that, that he has inspired me with as I was putting this together. And so um, it, it's, it's, a great, it's a great topic that we're going to be dealing with. We're going to be dealing with and talking about God's omnipotence, God's omnipotence in a way that I believe can be life-changing for you. This word that we're going to give you, I got to talk fast, so you're going to have to listen fast. But I believe that it's going to be something that's going to be incredible for you and I. So let me ask you this question. What does our omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent God need? Let me ask you it again. What does our omnipresent, our omniscient, and our omnipotent God need? What does he need? And if you were thinking, oh yeah, I think he needs this, and I think he needs that. If you were thinking that, my friend, you're wrong. You are 100% wrong because two reasons. Because God is omnipotent, but number two, uh, the second reason for that is, is because point number one is God doesn't need anything. The first point of this message today is God doesn't need anything. God is self-existent, God is self-sufficient, and God is self-sustaining. Maybe another way to say that is, is that God is complete on his own, and he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. So I want to make a statement that may change your theology. I'm not saying change your doctrine. I'm talking about changing your theology. Theology is the study of God and God's relationship to this world and with man. So point number two, this is the statement I'm going to make that I think is life-changing. Point number two is this. What if... What if God decided to need you? I just said a moment ago, God doesn't need anything. But what if, what if God decided to need you? What if, what if the God of heaven said to you, I need you. I need you. Just think about those three words just for the next moment or so. Coming to you from God. It's true, and it's, this, is, this is throughout the whole scripture. Old Testament, New Testament alike. It's on every book of the Bible. It talks about this thing that I'm talking to you about today. It's true. The God of heaven who doesn't need anything because he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, and he's omnipotent, who doesn't need anything. He needs nothing, but God has decided to need you. From the very beginning, God has decided to need you. He decided that, that you and I. So let me put it another way. The scriptures are clear that God is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. So obviously he doesn't need us so that he can exist. He doesn't need us so that he can exist. <clears throat> but what if God needs you to coexist with him? What would you think about that? What if God turned to you and says, I want you to coexist with me? In other words, what if God has chosen from the very beginning where he decided to need your partnership to manage the earth? Where God says, I decided to become partners with you in the management of our earth, in the management of our earth. That God needs you and God needs me and God needs all believers to partner with God to get things done on the earth. Otherwise, things are just not going to be accomplished on earth. I want you to hang with me on this. This, number one, this is good stuff. This is really good that you're hearing and that we're, we're receiving this together. But I'm also wanna be, I also want to be honest with you. I'm feeling a little bit of a pushback 
Some of us are, are not really sure if we like where this message seems to be going. But it's obvious to me that there are a lot of believers in God. And I think that a lot of them are rather convinced that God is God. And he is strong enough and God is big enough. And if he wants to change something, he can just do it. I mean, he's God, isn't he? Can he just do whatever he wants to do? And the fact of the matter is, that's just not true. You will not find a single scripture that would declare that God will just do whatever he wants to do. I'm going to prove that to you in this message today. And that kind of thought process also leads people toward uh, believers by not being involved in the kingdom of God. If we are thinking that God doesn't need me, he's just going to do what he wants to do anyhow, then why would, why would we continue to move forward in the kingdom? And God is wanting us to know that these are the things that we should do. So in Matthew, uh, excuse me, yeah, in Matthew chapter 4, it's not on your notes, but the Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus went about preaching the gospel, healing the sick, and casting out devils. And the Bible tells us over and over in all the scriptures, all four scriptures talk about what Jesus was doing. And then it goes a little bit deeper, and then it goes to the point where Jesus commanded his disciples then, and even still today, he, he commanded his disciples the same thought. Jesus said to them, and Jesus is saying to us here today, that you are to preach the gospel, you are to heal the sick, and you are to cast out devils. Us. That's the church. That's the church all around this world today is what God wants us to do that. And God decided from the very beginning, from the very beginning to partnership, uh, the, this partnership to, to manage the earth, and that, that God is looking to cooperate, cooperate with you. Let me say it another way. God works when you work, or God moves when you move. It's a principle that God has established within the kingdom of God from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Go with me to Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. This is cool. This is really neat. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird in the air and, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Let's stop right there for a minute. To see what he would call them. I want you to recognize that the Bible says is that God created all of these animals. So God has his part. This corporation that God is making, this cooperation that he wants with us and him, God has done his part. He's created the animals. And Adam, what he wants Adam to do, to have his part, which is our part, this is what we're to do, is that um, we will do what we are, are able to do. We will be able to do what we're supposed to do, and what he was supposed to do was to name the animals. And the, at the end of that verse, that same verse, verse 19 of uh, Genesis 2, and it says these words, listen to these words, listen. And whatever, whatever Adam called each of these living creatures, that was its name. Just think about that for a moment. Whatever, it didn't say God. It said Adam. Whatever Adam called those creatures, that was its name. Why did God have Adam name all, the, all of these animals and birds and all these other things? Well, because, because in the very beginning, God was starting a new cooperation, a new co-op, a corporation, however you want to say it. And of course, God could have easily, he could have easily could have said, hey, Adam, come here, come here a minute, come here a minute, son. I want, you see that big animal over there? And it has a big hump on his back? Adam, that's a camel. That's a camel. But Adam, you need to understand, some of the camels have two, two lumps on their back. 
I thought it was a good idea to do it. You like it too, don't you, Adam? Yes, Dad, I do. Okay, and then he would say something like this. Maybe he would say something like this. You see that, you see that real long nose on that great big fat animal over there? Adam, just so you know, that's an elephant. Yeah, that's, that's an elephant, an, ele an elephant. So why didn't God just do that? Why didn't he just name the animals himself? He could have, but he didn't. And he didn't want to because God wanted to have, have a part that Adam couldn't do. And what Adam couldn't do is the supernatural. And God and, and, and uh, Adam's part was that he would do what he could do. And that was naming all the animals. Now, I want you to think about this with me. I think first and foremost that Adam is a genius. He had to be a genius to be able to name all of those animals. It's just too incredible for me. And secondly, Adam was a genius because he was created by a genius. Remember, sin had not entered the world yet. And once sin entered the world, that's when we all got stupid. <laughs> yeah. And there's been no turning back ever since then, too for a high majority of humankind. We're still pretty stupid. But by the way, and by the way, when we have these theologi theological arguments, we, uh, why did God create Adam first and then Eve? You know, it's one of those things that we just sit back and say, do we have to go through this again? But the fact of the matter is, is that, that uh, when, when all of this was taking place, uh, that God created Adam and then, then um, what he told Adam that he wanted him to do was to name all of the animals and then the Bible tells us that God created, created Eve out of the, uh, the rib of Adam. So this is my opinion. This is my opinion. This isn't scriptural, but this is my opinion, a personal opinion on the subject, why God created Adam first. You see, God had a job for Adam to do. I showed that to you. I read it to you. God had a job for Adam to do first, and the job was, was to name animals. And God knew, let me say it again, and God knew that if he created a naked woman, that Adam would never get that job done. <laughs> he knew that. If he created a naked woman, put him, put her before him, before he named, the animals would never have been named. Now listen, this isn't rocket science. This is rather easy to figure out. So Adam, Adam, a Adam, Adam, look at me. Adam, 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 look at me. Adam, I want you to look right at me. Adam, can you stop looking at Eve for just one minute? I want to talk to you about all of this. Just one minute. Okay, thank you. Now, Adam, I asked you to name all the animals. And you only named three of them yesterday. Your eyes were twinkling with with Eve being there, Adam, Adam, listen to me. Don't look at her just because I mentioned her name. Adam, stay with me on this. You named three, Adam, uh, three animals yesterday. And you named them, Adam. You named them the red bird, Adam. You named them the blue bird, and I watched you, your eyes were twinkling when you named the third animal, and that was the lovebird. Adam, really? That's as good as it gets from you? <laughs> Adam, look at me when I'm talking to you. Well, that may be a little bit exaggerated, but that's my personal opinion. 
From the beginning, God wanted to partner with us. And I want to show you a verse about partnership within the word of God that I think could potentially blow your mind because this is too amazing for me. Honestly, this is, this is even difficult to explain theologically, so hang with me just for a moment. In Mark chapter six, verse five, it says these words. Now he could do no mighty work except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, is what the scripture says. Did you hear that? He being Jesus, he could not do. Jesus could not do no mighty works there. And it says in verse six of that same chapter, it says, it says um, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. Now this is huge. And I love what Robert Moore says. I wanna give you this quote. This is what Robert Moore says declaring this particular statement. And it is this, God limited his unlimited power to our faith. Think about this, think about this. God limited his unlimited power to our faith. And that to me is absolutely incredible. Jesus, the second person of, of, the, of the Trinity, the second person of the Godhead. Jesus walks into a town of unbelief and the, the creator of the universe, Jesus, the creator of the universe could not do a mighty work there. He could not do a mighty work there. So let me ask you, I wonder how many mighty works God can't do in your life because you don't believe. What is it that God's been talking to you about? And you wave the white flag immediately. There's no way I can do that. No way, no way, no way. I wonder how many are dealing with that. And this that I'm sharing with you is throughout all of the scripture. Jesus walks into a town of unbelief and the creator of the universe could not do a mighty work there. And here's what it means. It's not because he doesn't have the power we've established that he does. It's because God has limited and, uh, and directed his activity on this earth to your faith, to our faith as the church, to our faith. I wanna ask you again, can our powerful God do a miracle in you and do a miracle through you? And we say, yes, of course he can. But he might not be able to do that because, because of your unbelief. And God is waiting for you to cooperate with him. When God created you, there's a reason why you're here on this planet. God decided to need you. I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about you that God wants to use you in great ways. He wants to use you. You can be a conduit of God's grace and love in our world. In some way, God wants to use you. When God created you, there was a reason why you're here. So God decided to need you. God cooperates with you. God works when you work. God moves when you move. Listen, God is speaking to some people right now. There's some things going in your mind, and I believe it's the power of the Holy Spirit trying to help you to understand there is something you can do to make a difference in our world, a difference in the lives of other people. And what is supernatural to us is just natural to God. God is a supernatural God. Everything God does is supernatural. The bottom line is you can't have a miracle. You can't have a miracle unless you have a problem. And the bigger the problem, the greater the miracle. Hmm. I didn't think I was going to get an excited. Amen. I say it again. The bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. 
<coughs> one year ago, one year ago this last week, Kayla Scholes and the Scholes family had the biggest need that they would ever imagine in their lives. They needed a big miracle. When Kayla, their daughter, turned 18 years old, she ended up having a full cardiac arrest and she died. She died. And she was dead. She was dead for over 20 minutes. They now know that it was longer than 20. It was over 20 minutes. And today she is just about 100%. And maybe she already is 100%. But she is 100% back with us. <clears throat> and for me, it was the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed in my life. And she just graduated from high school this past year. She died and she graduated from high school this past year. I mean, you talk about a miracle. It's just... It's just incredible for me. Thanks to all the emergency responders. Thanks to all the doctors and nurses. Thanks to all the immediate response of prayer that we had at Word of Life in, in, in central New York and people who knew them. Uh, thanks for the prayers of thousands across the country and around different parts of the world where people were praying for her. We all experienced a miracle. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle. Would you stand up, Kayla? We want to welcome, just applaud for you and you're alive and well. <laughs> Hallelujah. This much I know, the Scholes family will never be the same again. They will never, ever be. They seen it. A lot of us saw this firsthand, and it was a miracle. But because of our unbelief, well, let me just jump down here. Moses, Moses didn't need to part the, the Red Pond. He needed to part the Red Sea. And the reason why he had to part the Red Sea is because Israel had the Egyptian army catching up behind them. And the Red Sea was in front of them. They had a big problem, but God did a big miracle with all of that. Give me an amen. <clears throat> For some of us... <clears throat> At Word of Life, I know that some of you are dealing with some big problems. You're making some big decisions. There's a lot of things that are going on in your life right now. Listen to me. You need to be ready for a big miracle. If you're going to partner with God with whatever the challenge is, with whatever is going on, if you will partner with God, he's going to make sure that you're going to experience a big miracle. For those of us who are there, you need to be ready for that miracle. The bigger the problem, the bigger the miracle because we serve a God, a really, really big God who is waiting for us to partner with him so that that miracle can come your way. I ask you again, I wonder how many mighty works God can't do in your life because of your unbelief. It's time we turn the corner in this area. We need to start believing God again. Even the birth of Christ, Mary herself was partnered with God in this particular miracle. The angel said to her, came to her and said, Mary, you're going to conceive? And she said, no, I'm not because I'm a virgin. And the angel said, yes, you are because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And then Mary said, Mary partnered with God in this. This wasn't a miracle. There's so much to the story. And in fact, I'm going to tell you about it at our Christmas series. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. But Mary said to the angel, he said, be it unto me according to your word. So Mary partnered with God for the greatest miracle ever in humankind. The birth of the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. It was just a great miracle. So as I close off, I'm asking you, have you decided that you need God? Have you decided that that God maybe could use you and need you? Have you decided that, that you need God for the fact that the only way you're gonna be saved, the only way you're gonna to go to heaven is if you give your life to Jesus? And God 
did that work for us, that he sent his only begotten son in this world. And maybe, just maybe, for those of you who are struggling right now because you're going through some difficulty, and should you be somebody today who's, everything is going perfect. Number one, we hate you, but uh, uh, beyond that, just kidding. But beyond all of that, I wanna make you a promise. Jesus himself says it from his own lips in John 16, 33. John 16, 33. He says these words, in this world you will have trouble. <laughs> oh, we love you, God. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Give me an amen. That is such hope we have. So I close with these three truths and I'll be very quick. Number one is, truth number one is this. God is never going to do your part. God is never going to do your part. Never. He will never do your part. God has a part and you have a part. I have a part. And God will never do your part. You have to do your part or it's not going to happen. It won't come to pass. Step number two. Our part is never supernatural. Our part is never supernatural because we are not supernatural. I know you may have a big S on your chest and you may think you're supernatural, but man, you're not. You're not even a Batman as far as I'm concerned. Even though we are not supernatural, we are connected to someone who is supernatural and he's our heavenly father. We're connected to him. Listen, this is cool. This is gonna make you feel better, what I'm gonna say right now. When someone needs prayer, you don't have to feel the burden for that person to be healed. Did you hear what I said? You need to have faith, but you don't have to bear the burden of that person being healed is what we see within the scripture. You see, that person being healed, that's God's part. Our part is to pray. Prayer is our part. Moses stood before the Red Sea and, uh, and his part was not, was not to part the Red Sea. Do you know what Moses' part was? Moses' part was a stick. This is all that Moses needed. All he needed to do was to take up a stick, the Bible says. All that God told him to do. All Moses had to do was this. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. This is an old movie. But if you were to see it, you would see that it was... His long hair is blowing... You know, I don't know if it was like this or not. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I don't know if, if they had something like this. But all we do know is that all he needed to do was have a stick. And maybe this is all that Moses had. Maybe this is all that we need for that miracle is this. I don't know about you, but I can do this. If God needed a miracle and all he needed was a stick, I can easily do that. And watch God part the waters. Watch him part the sea. Do you agree with me on that? That's all that we need to do. That's it. That's all that God wanted. He wanted him to pick up a stick. Number three, point number three is our part is first. Our part is first. Now I'm talking theologic, theologically wrong. If we could have our, 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 come on up you guys, intercessors. God, our, our, our part is first. Theologically, I'm wrong because God is always first. That's the preeminence of our God. He, God is first of all, God is above all, and God is before all. The fact is, the fact is God went first. 
God took the initiative. God went first from the very beginning. As soon as Adam, had, Adam and Eve had fallen into sin, God had already made a, a way for you and I to be forgiven of our sin through Jesus Christ. You can find that yourself a little bit later in, the, in, the, in Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> um, so God, God sent his son for us to die on the cross and it was finished. What he did was completed. God has already done his part and now it's time for your part. Our part is, is first in participating in a miracle. Whatever the need is. If you need 25 bucks because that's as big of a miracle to you, 25 bucks, as Caleb coming back to life. Those kind of things, God uses those things and we have to partner with God. God said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God said, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In other words, you do your part and God says, I'll do my part. It's all through the scriptures. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose, Jesus says. More about that partnership. If you, if you, uh, if you don't do your part as a husband or as a wife, I'm guaranteeing you, you're not going to have a good marriage. You're not going to have a good marriage. In fact, you may lose it. If you don't tithe, if you don't steward your money, steward your money generously, then you're not going to be blessed by God. If you steward your tithe and if you are generous, you'll never be without. God will always bless you. This partnership is throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And I'm challenging you as we close off. I'm challenging you to go through the entire Bible and see if you can find one place that God did the miracle himself except for the creation of the world. I challenge you to do that. Stand with me to your feet. Stand with me to your feet. I want to ask you these questions as we do our final song and we're going to release you to go. And that is, my, my first question is this. What is the biggest need of your life today? Don't tell me out loud, but you tell yourself. You, what is the biggest need of your life today? Number two, what miracle do you need right now? What miracle do you need right now? And do you need a break? Do you need a breakthrough? In other words, for God to do His part and you to do your part. And how much time are you really, really praying about those needs? My friend, come on. We need to be a people that will seek God. How much time are you really praying about that miracle that you need, those challenges that you're dealing with? How much are you pouring out to God? And how much obedience do you have to God that His Word is going to come to pass in your life? So Heavenly Father, I pray for each of these people today. Help us, Lord. This is a great word. This is a great message coming from you, Lord God, for every one of us that you want us to partner with you. If you have a need while we sing this last song, come down and let them pray for you. If, if you would like them to pray for you, we can do that. But we're gonna sing this song. We won't go very long, Luke, but give us this song and uh, we will release everybody. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs>